Are you ready? I'm ready. This is the first show? Yep. How should we begin? You're listening to 17 Minutes with your hosts, Lafo and A. We should begin with something that you and I listened to recently. It was that interview with Dr. Gartner. He was talking on Chauncey DeVega's podcast about Trump and his mental illness. You gave it to me on Overcast. I did. And I like Overcast because you can fast forward through uh, Well, fast for me. Like, I think it goes to like two plus plus plus. Right. So how long did it take you to actually listen to the show? About 30 seconds. I went as fast as I possibly could. <laughs> and you remember some of it? I had to listen to it twice to even remember a 20% of it. The first time I went through it, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. And the second time I went through it, I did it a little bit slower. And then I started looking at some some of the key things he was talking about just to kind of like put into perspective. So I went back a couple of times. What were the things that uh, popped out at you the second time around? Probably the thing that popped out the most is this has to be done deliberately. And also that it's a pattern of a certain type of mentality, of a certain type of leadership. You know, he compared him to Adolf Hitler. And, you know, you have to kind of take a look at that. So that I really noticed. Chauncey and uh, Dr. Gardner were referring to his malignant narcissistic ways and discussing how he seems to be using the COVID pandemic um, as a bioweapon against Americans. It's very much a psychopathic mentality. Like he does not care. For whatever reason, we, we may have gotten here, which I have my, my own theories about, you know, I, he doesn't listen to his, his intel briefings. And the one that he finally said and listened to, they're like, sir, this is going to be bad. And, you know, well, how's it going to affect my numbers, affect how I look? And that's all he could hear. He can, only, he can only hear about me, me, me. That's very narcissistic. So what what actions do you see him directly taking that tell you that that is what he is doing and that he has no concern for the country? I'm sure Trump has his own handful of people that he listens to that he may have handpicked to kind of like feed him information if they did their research, they were like, sir, this thing is real. What should I do? Am I, am I going to get sick? Sir, here, you take this medication. Like, what is that, that that he's taking? I have no idea. For a while, he said he was taking something every day. It's almost like he's challenging to see if he'll if, the, if it'll work, if he'll get sick. Like, somebody has convinced him that this if you take this, you're not going to get sick. But plus, Trump also has this idea that it has to do with genes. He talks about that, having the good genes. And he thinks that the good genes aren't going to get infected. And I get that from a lot of his base, too. You know, people think that that's kind of a joke, but Trump takes that seriously. So I think he is not wearing a mask because he really thinks the mask is designed to protect you from getting it, not from spreading it to others. The mask is designed to, to for you not to spread it to others. That's what the purpose of the mask are, except for the M, M95s. Right. So I just think that he thinks he can't get it. Wherefore, how can he spread to others if it's not real, if he, if he can't get it? I think it just got to the point that he realized if I wear a mask, it's going to make me look weak. And then like they said, you know, his cult picks up that same pattern where if I wear a mask, I'm being disloyal to the benevolent leader. And so at, if you look at images of the Trump rally, you'll see some people wearing it. You'll see some older people wearing it who like know that their health's at risk and they hear that demographic that they know they're right in that demographic. And so they're like, well, I, I better don this mask. But a lot of the young people and a lot of, even like the boomers who are who are in that demographic that will get sick aren't wearing masks. I think they said like something like 635 confirmed cases. 
I didn't know that. I may have the exact number wrong, but it's in the 600s. Uh, from the rally, just from the rally. Wow. That's not to include all those that they got infected that are also going to get sick. That's one of the things that I saw that he's doing, not not wearing the mask. Well, he is, he is now. He's wearing it in public. He said today that uh, patriots wear masks when necessary. So what's your take on that? For me, a patriot personally is a person who served in the military. If you served in the military, you're a veteran, you're a patriot. That's what a patriot is. All else could be citizens, but a patriot is a person who actually fights for the country. I mean, he's commander-in-chief technically, but Trump also declared himself to be a nationalist. I think you're going to have some listeners uh, respond to you that they never served in the military, but they consider themselves patriots on both sides. How do you respond to that? I don't give a fuck. If You might think that you're a patriot. You know, If you want to go be a patriot, go serve in the military, okay? Stop your snuggling and whining. You're happy to send somebody else to go fight a battle that you don't want to fight in. So no, you don't get to use the word. You can call yourself a citizen, but patriot is reserved for, it's like saying I'm a veteran, but which war do you serve? Oh, I didn't serve in a war. I'm just a, a veteran of the streets. I don't respect people who think that they're a patriot, yet they wouldn't serve, They wouldn't be willing to go through the pains of going through basic training, going through infantry school, or even any other, other military school. You know, like you're not willing to put the time in, but you want to wear the crown. No, that's just, again, that's that's my opinion, but understand why I say it with Trump. So a lot of these guys agree with Trump. Well, I'm a nationalist. Okay, well, you, you're you not a nationalist and a patriot. You can't be both. It's an oxymoron. How so? Tell me. Let's, let's look at where there is nationalism. If I'm from Italy, I'm proud of, you know, of my nationality. I'm Italian, Italiano. I don't speak Italian or anything, but, you know, that's my whole point is that they're proud of their heritage. They're Italian. Okay, that's your nationality. Nationalism deals with nationality in the U.S. If you're if you're nationalist, what nationality are you? You know, we don't we're not bound by a common nationality. We're bound by a constitution. When you go in the military, you take a note that I will protect and defend the constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Boom, patriots. That's what makes you a patriot, in my opinion. So I respect all those that served. One time in the U.S., everybody served. Every male served in the military back when there was a draft. So that's a whole different story. Back then, everyone's a patriot because everybody served at one time or another. Yeah, there was a handful who didn't serve like the Trumps. And but Trump never wanted to be called a patriot then. Only when it suits him politically does he want to be a patriot all of a sudden. And so that's why I have a problem with it. They're usurping this word. And they're taking away from the beauty of it and its true meaning. Now, if somebody has spent all their life and they, they couldn't serve in the military, that's cool. Don't don a military uniform. And they call that stolen valor. So to me, the same as stolen valor is when you try to wear the brand of a patriot. That brings me to what's currently happening in Portland and uh, soon to happen in Chicago, Boston, Philadelphia, some other places where it looks like they're going to be deploying some federal troops. And not all of them have served in the military. There is some concern right now about the use of militaristic attire, where it looks like a lot of them are wearing fatigues, looking like they're they're true soldiers. So you're saying to all of those people, you've stolen the valor that does not belong to you. They were in the uniform that was assigned them. So that's the whole different thing. Like they're that's that's what you call a paramilitary unit. 
like I I don't know the whole story. You know, I I think of myself as an idiot. Definitely not like you know the one that has all the information. But I just look at the information that I have before me and make a decision based off that. And from what I understand, these are these are special new units that they have. Like um, there's officers from the U.S. Marshals Special Operations Group and U.S. Customs and Border Protection Border Patrol Tactical Unit. This all falls under Homeland Security. Uh, DHS, is that what it's called? Department of Homeland Security. Yep. Uh, and so it's a new task force. Uh, and with that, they were given uh, certain criteria, certain um, mission statement of what they're supposed to do, and a uniform. And somewhere along the line, it was decided that this uniform should be a tactical uniform. Is that necessary? No. Like, like I think uh, AOC is trying to push an agenda right now where it's going to go before Congress, where they have to wear their names on their uniforms. Because right now they're, they're acting like they're operators, special operations units, uh, where those guys take their name tags off because you're not supposed to know what unit they're from because they're doing black ops and other type, type of operations. So that works great when you're trying to fight ISIS, when you're trying to fight Al-Qaeda, you know, because you don't want them to know your name. They will be able to pass that word on and, and harm your family back here in the States and other places abroad. So what we're doing right now is we're using tactics that are supposed to be used on the field of battle on civilians. Most of those guys haven't served in the military. And it falls under a paramilitary unit. Did Obama start that? Trump is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's a hammer and everything is fixed like it's a nail. So he only can go into the cupboard and pull out what's already been given him. So do you think that... It was Trump or perhaps the DHS that made the decision about what their attire would look like. I think their attire has been, this has been in the bucket or, or on the shelves since the Obama era. Every tool to harm America that Trump is using, Obama gave him in a big old bag and a, and a note that says, do not use unless needed. He threw that note away. Boop, I don't need that note. It seems to me that that Obama in some of the decisions that he made and some of the things that became legislation that govern what is permissible and what is happening now, that he went in with the assumption that a president would have a certain demeanor and a certain respect for the United States and that therefore any potential for misuse would be curtailed and wouldn't be a problem. Where would he have got that from? From the from his predecessor, from the one that became before his predecessor's predecessor is you know from Reagan. Like like what would possibly give Obama the idea that we're going to have in the future smart, responsible, reliable leadership? I don't know. I find that hard to believe. I mean, personally, I I blame Obama for Trump. So do you think he was negligent in passing, for instance, the NDAA that came out of, uh, I think he signed it midnight on December 31st, 2011? Yes. December 31st, 2011 was also the day that U.S. forces pulled out of Iraq. That was signed into law, not by Obama, but by George Bush in 2005. In 2011, Obama thought for sure he had the paper saying who's going to be the next president. And on that paper, it was probably already written Hillary Clinton. So that's how far back I think he thought for sure she was going to get it. And so I guarantee she was one of the ones pushing the hardest for this. I need this for my administration. I mean, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And he basically said, look, I'm going to take away every bit 
of checks and balance that the, the U.S. government has. What little they have left, I'm going to knock it out of power because we trusted Obama. We trust them. We trust them to do so much. All this hope and change. Hope and change gave us a clown. From your perspective, the past presidencies have set up the current president with basically a smorgasbord of opportunities to misuse and abuse power. I see him right now doing everything he can to enable the the virus to continue. I'm not sure why he would be doing that. Some people are saying that that helps him in his uh, efforts toward re-election. What are your thoughts? I can't really say exactly why Trump is doing what, what he's doing. I think the term is an irrational player. You know, he's not one who's going to make rational decisions. Trump is the most dangerous possibility for an, an, uh, a president you could have, an irrational actor. You don't know what he's going to do. You can flip a coin and have more accuracy than you can in him making decisions. In historical terms, when you have irrational players, how do the people, the citizenry, or, and or the uh, other aspects of government combat that? Our system is designed to have a system of checks and balances. But because of Obama and other people before him, that's been eroded. We also have elections every four years in the U.S. to keep that under control. And that right now is in jeopardy. Trump is right now doing everything he can to cheat the system to make sure that he stays in power. And so that's the second way to, to erode it. And the third is impeachment. And unfortunately, this last chance to impeach him, I blame two people in the Congress. Nancy Pelosi had a chance to, to, to do something to impeach him, and she deliberately picked the one thing that he's going to get off on. You're telling me, in her infinite wisdom, with her staff around her, she couldn't figure out a list of charges against him? She could. So then why does she go with the one that's guaranteed going to get off the most, the one that's going to be the most politicized? If you get put over by a cop and you piss him off, he will come up with a, a list of charges against you. Your back license plate is bent sideways. Your rear tail light is a little low. You didn't have this, you didn't have that. And his hope is just to get one charge to stick on you. You have Kamala Harris in the Senate who's talking about we're going to do this and we're going to do that. She didn't do crap. She didn't go to Nancy and say, look, Nancy, I'm a prosecutor. I know what I'm doing. We need to do this and this and this and this and this. These five guys here, they're the best in the nation. Let's put a list together. Let's get everything about him and let's charge him fully for everything he's done and see what sticks. She didn't. She says, so one, here we go. Uh, he got away? Oh, I can't believe he got away. So that's who I blame. Nancy Pelosi knew what she was doing. She's a smart woman and she deliberately let him off the hook. I have my own suspicions. I think Nancy let him off the hook because she was concerned of the, the inevitable outcome. She has a briefing that's, uh, I forget what it's called, but she just talked about it. But basically, if something happens to Trump, let's say that he catches COVID and he dies instantly, boom. You know, who's next? Pence. So what happens if Pence gets the same cold and he dies? Who's in charge? Pelosi. Pelosi had impeached Trump and impeached Pence at the same time. She would have been in charge. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, one of the things is that she could also be impeached. The first thing she should be impeached for is for embezzlement. The second thing she should be impeached for is for insider trading. The next thing she could be impeached for is being involved uh, in the waterboarding operation back in 2005. Was it five or six? I'm going to stop you right there because I think that's a great topic for our next episode. We do 17 minutes, but we give you the last minute. 
So what we're we talking about, what was the main, the main topic we were just talking about? The main topic was the president's malignant narcissism as discussed in the uh, podcast with uh, Dr. John Gartner and Chauncey DeVega, who hosts the podcast, which is called The Truth Report. That was a great podcast. His podcast opened up my mind to a, a lot of things. Is what Trump's doing dangerous? Yes. Is he developing a death cult? Yes. We've never seen this before in modern times in America. And so it will be interesting to see where it goes. I, I think right now he has a good chance of losing in the election. So the question is, what will be next? Will he accept it gracefully or will it get crazy? That's my main take on that. I think they, they're spot on. I think we should look at other aspects of what he might be doing. Or worst case scenario, what if something bigger is going on? What if all this is a cover for something that's really happening this bad with the nation? Like a meteor. Let's make that episode three, shall we? Okay. Okay.